Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Lippman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We're recording this in advance, so I just want to say, because of Thanksgiving, if we miss any news, we'll be back next week as usual to, to hit it. Also next week, I think our third annual, maybe fourth annual Jam Session gift guide. I can't wait. I'm really excited. I'm devoting most of the time that I'm supposed to spend with family next week to preparing this gift guide. So it might be a barn burner. For me, I've been thinking about all the best things I've purchased for myself over the over the last 12 months that I'd like to recommend to others. So I'm really excited to get into it. But today, we are going to talk about some celebrity news. And we are also going to talk a little about books. It's been a minute. But the World Cup is here, which for me means it's WAG season. And I'd like to thank The Guardian for bringing me the WAG content that I want, which is about the cruise ship on which the English WAGs are staying while they're in Qatar for the World Cup. I mean, are you going to be diving into WAG season? Of course I am. So I just want to give people some background here on the Juliette Littman World Cup experience. We were in a meeting recently talking about larger World Cup coverage at the Ringer because, you know, we have some people on staff who cover sports. And Juliette announced that she would be rooting for England solely for WAG content. Yes. So like that's the level of dedication that you're getting here. I wanted to follow up on that, but there were too many people in the Zoom. So even when the United States plays England on, I believe, Black Friday, the most yes. American of holidays. Will you be, you'll be rooting for the UK? I will. Okay. Yes, I will. I mean, that's a choice and it's good content. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's some reasons why. First of all, Wagatha Christie was one of the most fun scandals in the history of Jam Session. That being Absolutely. the 
the feud between Colleen Rooney, the wife of Wayne Rooney, and Rebecca Vardy, the wife of Jamie Vardy, who is the loose inspiration for the jerk on Ted Lasso, whose name I forget, but like the one who had like the redemption in season two. Anyway, I love Wagatha Christie. Does that mean that she's the loose inspiration for Juno Temple's character? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me like her a lot more than the trial that she participated in did. Well, as I was scanning the Daily Mail for WAG content this morning, I didn't really find anything too exciting. People are very up in arms because Cutter has decided they will not be selling beer at the World Cup. They'll only be doing it in like specific areas. I just also want to say that this is a very controversial World Cup and do not in any way support the terrible practices of Qatar. But the reason, Amanda, that I also feel so strongly about the UK is I like d- really emotionally invested in the Euros last summer, like 14 months ago. Sure. And I was I was really sad for Marcus Rashford when he screwed up. He just seems like a really great guy. Wow. And so I had totally emotionally blocked that out until this exact moment. That was devastating. It was that devastating. That whole thing was absolutely <laughs> devastating. And I really, really, really want Marcus Rashford to get a redemption. So okay, as a result... I- Great, great justification. <laughs> now I'm sort of with you. And I now I remember like the entire penalty kick yeah, experience. It was so, it was so upsetting. I, I remember like the, the back notion, which was very ugly and like his amazing yeah, Instagram. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember, and remember like the Instagrams of all of the children who like left notes at yes. the Marcus Rashford mural of like the In Manchester. Yeah. yeah. It was and beautiful. the one child who was like, I used to have social anxiety, but now I watch you and I, Oh my God, I'm like getting very emotional again. Okay. Yeah. Great case. You should have, you should have led with this <laughs> and not the wags, even though I also enjoy wag content. Shit. Now I am also like, am I rooting for the UK instead of the US? Yeah. So Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling in particular and Bukuya Saka got, they all missed penalty kicks and they're also all black and they got a lot of racism. And I just really, I'm rooting for them. They deserve, they deserve love. And also like they're three like really like winning personalities. I don't, I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about soccer, so I can't really evaluate their soccer games, but I like them as celebrities. And so I'm rooting for them. And I like the WAG content. So yeah, I'm just like, I'm really excited. Also, I love international sports as like, as like pop culture. Like, so I love the summer Olympics and I do too. Yeah. And so this is just like soup. There's a lot of things that are very wrong with this world cup. And the cutter's practices are utterly deplorable. And that also then like overshadows the fun that you, that can be had with the event itself. But that I sort of feel this sort of feel that like the players, like this means so much to them. They have like a limited amount of time to be at the top of their soccer game that I also like just like hope for all of the good soccer players out there. That, like this can be like a fulfilling experience. So I don't know. I just... Give me the wags. That's that's my TLDR. Also, the fact they're staying on a boat. Okay, yeah. Perfect. So tell us more about the cruise ship. <laughs> so the British wags are doing something similar to what the American basketball team in Rio did in 2016, which is instead of staying at hotels, they are staying on this 
cruise ship, the MSC World Europa, and they are staying on it for, you know, the next month. The suites go for around 6,000 pounds per week. And I believe that that is self-subsidized. It's not subsidized by the team itself. And this will keep them... I think they'll be able to drink this way. I think they'll be able to control the paparazzi access and like also just live in like the luxury that they would like. So it's pretty fun. I have I a can't question. wait to hear about it. Yes. So I'm, I'm reading this uh, brief on the cruise ship, the WAG cruise ship. So this is from The Guardian. We're talking crystal staircase. Sure. We're talking spas complete with snow rooms. What? (laughs) Does anyone know what a snow room is? I do not. Is that a spa feature that has been happening? Is that a UK, Europe only thing? What what is going on? Is that code for something that else? Like what? What is a snow room? I think... It's to emulate winter. And the reason that the World Cup is in the where you're now about to be in winter is because otherwise it'd be too hot and cutter. But like, you know how in Dubai they have indoor ski slopes? I think it's like a similar kind of thing. Okay, I've Googled what is a snow spa room. And here's (laughs) the automated. This is just this is scintillating podcasting. I I have I cannot verify this because it's just the answer that Google provided. Snow rooms build off the age-old therapeutic concept of taking the body from hot to cold. After a short time in a sauna, you can switch gears to the icy room. That's from OneSpaWorld.com. So once again, no <laughs> verification. But now I'm understanding a little bit more what's going on here. I'm really glad to hear that. This cruise ship also features a giant slide. The longest dry slide at sea. (laughs) It has honestly a beautiful pool. Like, here's the thing. I don't ever want to go on a cruise, but I think I would like to stay at a docked cruise as just like a a hotel on the water. Like, sure. I mean, I I would need to find out some more details on the seasickness and the rocking of the boat because I'm really prone to seasickness. But this kind of seems like best of both worlds if one must be in Qatar for the World Cup. I agree about the last part of that sentence where it's like it's it's essentially like a a roving campsite or a roving, you know, a giant Airbnb or really like running out a resort for just all your friends or people that, you know, I assume also there have to be reality TV cameras on this boat, right? I really hope so. But I think that a lot of what's happening in Qatar is like hyper managed because of the government and because of FIFA. Technically, (laughs) this is this is on the water. You know, this is like international waters (laughs) rules. I hope So in general, I'm not really a huge resort person, but I think in this circumstance, it makes a lot of sense. And obviously just great content. 13 restaurants, 22 decks. You know, how many people are going to be on the boat? Because that's the other thing. Based on the Guardian article, I think that this, this ship is for like friends and family of the team or teams. But the cruise ship itself is truly massive. Right. And it can accommodate, I think like 6,000 people. So I don't know how many will actually be on there, but I don't think that many. It has 2,600 cabins and it can have more than 600 guests at a time. 6,700, excuse me. So I like the vibes of just the sort of empty. It's like when, did you ever get to go to school on the weekends? This is some really like nerd (laughs) stuff, you know, but it's like, wow, it's just all for me, you know, or just like for all of my friends. I like that vibe of it 
Did you happen to read, it was a slate piece where the writer went on the Gone Girl cruise? No, I didn't. So I, it was a very funny stunt piece. That apparently there is a Gone Girl branded river cruise in Europe. So not even, so you wouldn't have to worry about seasickness, I don't think, because it's a river and not, not the open sea. And it was, you know, if you're asking yourself, how would you do a, a cruise based on Gone Girl, then yes, you've identified some of the major tensions in the piece. And it was like very amusing. But the gist I got that was basically Jillian Flynn, the author of Gone Girl, just invited like 30 of her friends on this cruise. And oh then God. there were like 40 <laughs> other people and the cruise ship was like not at capacity. And they were just all on a little like ridiculous adventure together. It sounded pretty fun, aside from one or two pretty like weird planned events. So I I like this attitude that they're doing, you know, with all mm-hmm. of the like caveats and extenuating circumstances excluded. Yes, I agree with you. This happened on The Bachelorette last season. They went on like a cruise ship and it was like just the cast and crew of The Bachelorette. You know, I guess I don't support cruises in general, but like as production vehicles, perhaps I do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I'm just looking forward to the cruise content. As you said, I hope there's cameras. I'm certainly going to have to update my Instagram follows to make sure I'm following all the relevant people. I'm getting concerned that I'm going to have to start following celebrities on TikTok because Formula One is having its final race of the season this weekend in Abu Dhabi. And the drivers all went out together last night. And like that content is on TikTok. And there's no there's no one bringing the content from TikTok to Instagram for you. I I saw it on Twitter, but. I just don't know. How, I haven't tapped into that, but I'm just okay. athlete off court, off track, off pitch content is some of my favorite celebrity content. Sure. There is, so, and it's now all happening on TikTok. I really am. Yeah, firmly, because the athletes are all, you know, under 28. I know, but I just need a 32 year old to keep doing <laughs> God's work and transport it from TikTok to Instagram for the next generation. You know, Seriously. we're interested it's just this is the medium that we know. And I Help really participate. I appreciate all the accounts that are doing that. Like I'm still I'm with you. I will watch it, even though I don't really like reels. Anyway, this is great. I was not aware of the cruise ship and I'm invested. Thanks to Chris Ryan for sending this to me. Obviously. Chris is my Chris yeah. is my source. Yeah. Let's move on. Next up, Brendan Frazier is back in the news. Thanks to GQ. Another story four years after. Zach Barron, Amanda's husband, wrote a profile of Brendan Fraser that became the most read article in the history of GQ.com. Zach interviewed him again because he's embarking on a awards campaign tour for the Darren Aronofsky film, The Whale, which was warmly received at the summer festivals. And once again, Brendan Fraser is just taking the internet by storm. Zach and Brendan Fraser tried to grapple with this in the article of like, why do people care so much about Brendan Fraser? I don't think any of us have an answer, but Amanda, do you? Not any more than Zach does or that Brendan does. Brendan, wow, first name basis. Well, I, it's not really. I've actually, I've actually <laughs> never met him, but I, I'm obviously completely biased because you know Zach is my husband, and and I think you can tell in the pieces feels very like warmly towards Brendan, and they like have had a very nice connection, which is pretty rare. So. The best answer I can give is like I was looking at it on the internet, you know, because I read these things when they come out in the sure. in the magazine. I I don't have a lot of behind the scenes info for anyone here. And I was like looking, I guess, on on Twitter RIP, and someone had posted something about the video 
or some aspect of the Brendan Fraser thing, which is that there are just hundreds of comments and just like nothing negative or nasty, you know, that everyone's just like, sure, Brent, like just feels warmly towards him. And I think there's something about the first piece, which was about Brendan's career and his personal life and like a very vulnerable piece about someone who had been in the public eye and was no longer and was maybe not doing everything that he wanted to professionally and kind of like what that was about and why. And it, I think people responded to the openness of that and felt a little protective of him. Sure. Yeah, sure. The other thing about it is that when someone does a piece like that, we should also mention, because we'll talk about the Golden Globe stuff, Brendan talked about an incident that he experienced at the Golden Globes where one of the members of the HFPA groped him and it felt really violating and the HFPA, a famously corrupt and racist organization, like did nothing and he had done his best to like make peace with some of that. He had never shared that incident. Yes, exactly. Before the art, publicly, he had never exactly, shared it. Exactly. And he had, you know, gone through like some of the, the process with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and to, to no avail. So when someone is so vulnerable and when someone, you know, shares an incident like that in a piece and talks about how they are processing, you know, something traumatic that happened to them, you don't often get like, the follow-up piece after that. Do you know what I mean? Of like, how is this person doing? And even rarer than that, you don't often get the piece, sadly, of someone like being in a better place. And as you noted, like Brendan was like cast in this Darren Aronofsky movie and he's like certainly a favorite for best actor. And, you know, he's working again and he has like, he and Zach try to make sense of the response to that piece and everything that he shared like in this piece, but you you never get like the four years later. So I think that's interesting and people are connecting to that as well. That's like my best guess. That's my connection to it. Well, there's something that I also don't understand, which is that not, not like this doesn't make sense to me, but like I don't connect with, which is like, maybe I'm like a smidge too young, Mm-hmm. But in the story, part of Brendan Fraser's finding comfort being in public again was like he sort of eased into it by going to fan conventions, which were just sort of like catch all fan conventions, it sounds yeah. like. And so people associate him with like their halcyon days of watching movies like Encino Man, Airheads, Blast from the Past, and The Mummy. People absolutely love The Mummy. You love school ties and people love the mummy. I love Rachel Vice too. So thanks. Thanks to the mummy for that. But like, I didn't know, and I've seen the mummy movies, but like, I just like, didn't know they were beloved. So I guess yeah. there is like this like air of nostalgia around him that people like want to like both indulge and then like re-embrace him. So I thought that was really interesting. But the other thing that I actually really wanted to talk about, cause it's a little bit weird for you to talk about your husband's work critically <laughs> otherwise is Brandon Frazier talks about if he is nominated by the golden globes, will he attend And it's a particularly relevant question because the Golden Globes were boycotted by Hollywood publicists. And then that led to a a larger boycott. And then NBC, which had the broadcast rights, declined to air the Golden Globes for the last two years or one year? I believe that it was just last year. I'm trying to remember what happened during the, the pandemic. I don't remember either, which is bad podcasting. We'll check in a second. But... In the meantime, you know, the show is coming back for 2023. 
the reason that the show was boycotted was because as Amanda said earlier, it turned out that there were, that it was like a, a famously corrupt and sort of like shifty organization anyway. And like, even me, who's not like a movie or awards expert, like I knew that like you could sort of like buy your way into a golden globe. So that was like already known. And then the details of their membership was revealed and there were no black people who in the HFPA voting members of the HFPA. And that also was often reflected in the works that won. And, you know, as a result, many people in Hollywood were just like, no, we're not doing this. But they've said they've opened up their membership and they've changed it. And now the show is returning in 2023 as a live TV event. Brendan Fraser said he won't participate, which I admire. And I'm curious, Amanda, if you think that other people, other high profile producers and actors and people in the film industry will follow him or be willing to like accept the Globes again as like a big part of award season? That's the question, right? Do you, I mean, do you have a sense? I don't, but like, I think that's actually a way bigger deal than anything having to do with Will Smith and the Oscars. And it's sort of like, un, almost like under discussed, maybe because the show was gone. And also because like a lot of like serious film people don't take the Golden Globes seriously, but they are important to representation, what kind of movies, get, or they were at least, what kind of movies got made in the future, like just also like money that you could make after a, your movie wins an award or whatever. Like even if it was a joke, it was like free publicity. So I think that people will, will want to have the Golden Globes. Like and by people, I mean people in Hollywood. So I expect that Brendan Fraser will be one of the few who's not going back there. But I don't know, maybe this type of article actually would change people's minds. I don't think it's a great look to go, especially for the, the other key aspect of the Golden Globes is that it's major in the Oscar race and maybe the Oscars matter less and less. But I think that's true, sadly, even though I watch them and care about them. But conversely, as there's just more attention on all sorts of things and as culture kind of fragments, the Golden Globes were still a way to get attention yeah. for your movie, for your performance, but also for your Oscar campaign. So I think it'll be hard for a lot of people who really want Oscars and also who really want Golden Globes. Like never forget Jennifer Lopez's documentary Halftime and how much she cared about winning a Golden Globe and how yeah. like devastated she was, which, I, you know, was sort of a revelation to me. I, you know, I understand Jennifer Lopez is like a very business forward person, but I always thought like everyone kind of knew that the Golden Globes were a joke. So I don't think that's the case. And I think a lot of people really do still want these awards. And so they need the Golden Globes or they think they need them, which frankly makes it all the more uh, significant that Brandon Fraser has decided not to go because he yeah. is, by all accounts, like very much campaigning for for an Oscar. I think his absence will be notable. I Like, I don't know how you feel if you're one of the other people running for best actor and you do go, you know, they haven't announced the nominations yet. So will the Golden Globes nominate Brendan Fraser is a really interesting one. I, you know, Good point. I think they should, obviously, but that's not an organization that is, is known for any sort of principles whatsoever, ever. So, yeah, I, I think it's significant. I think a lot of it is really TBD, but also people really like Oscars and attention, you know, which is, a, which is a bummer. It's also a bummer that like, a new award wasn't like invented to fill the space instead of just being like, you know, 
they're gone and now they're back. I understand it's like it's supposed to be like quote unquote international and also like this stuff is all really, really like small C conservative and old fashioned and stupid. But like it would have been a good opportunity for someone to be like, we're having a competing event on the same weekend. You could choose. The Critics' Choice Award tried. They like mm-hmm. they tried really hard. And it's just hard to do a new awards show. Like it, as you've you've seen kind of like all of the, you know, made up awards shows that sure. air throughout the year. And we're always like, what? What is that? And there's something about awards shows being grandfathered in that people take them seriously. But the, the other thing is just like the Critics' Choice Awards just don't have the budget that the Golden Globes right. had ever. And so you need like history. You need people to kind of take it seriously, which that's hard to get it off the ground. You need like a major production budget and know how, which other organizations just like don't have for whatever reason, which, by the way, like is kind of part of the problem with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is like how much money they had for like doing what, what. But in terms of putting on a show, getting, you know, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler get like getting all of these people to come it's just harder to compete than you would yeah this episode is brought to you by ebay authenticity guarantee you'll know real when you get it it'll say ebay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it maybe it's a head-turning handbag a watch that says it all jewelry that makes you look like the gem Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. She's scared of all of these. I'm sorry. That's my, that's I know, my answer. I know, but you and I like them. Well, it gives us something to talk about. It's good for content. But I would be open to like, I think it would be cool 
if all the publicists were like, we're done with the Golden Globes, we're like, let's do our own. Like, I don't know. That would be such a huge coup for publicists. I'm not sure they deserve that, though I do love many publicists. I don't know. Brandon Frazier, speaking his truth. It's it's really lovely to see. I'm happy for him. I'm looking forward to seeing that movie. Not really a Darren too. Aronofsky fan, but I think I could be. I'm not always either. I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Great. Well, we'll report back when we do. And kudos to Zach. My mom was also excited about it. She texted me when she saw the article. Oh, so. thank you, Betty Jane. That's great. <laughs> I, owe, I owe your mom an email about some books. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about some new relationships that we did not hit on last week. Pete okay. Davidson and Emily Ratajkowski. Sure. Go like, God, you guys people. do you. Yeah, this is kind of my thing. As long as everyone is... Consenting. Consenting, knows what they're getting into, like have sex and get attention. Like more power to you. Yeah. Good luck. Next, Brad Pitt suspiciously has debuted a girlfriend that he has had for a while. Her name is Inez de Ramon. She previously was married to Paul Wesley, who you may know if you were a Vampire Diaries person. I saw this on Gawker. I cannot take credit for it. On Gawker.com, they're like, Brad Pitt introduces girlfriend to, to combat bad PR for Angelina Jolie. And I hadn't thought about it that way because I am, I'm like inappropriately biased towards Brad Pitt, but I'm examining that and trying to fight back against it. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good point. I can't rule that out. Also, he was rumored to be hooking up with Emily Ratajkowski before. So like, there is a lot of like Brad Pitt dating news and he is good at keeping that out of the news if he wants to. So... What do you think? I think that he's keeping it in the news the exact amount that he wants mm-hmm. to. I, I think Gogger is exactly right in this one. Because think about it. You don't see Brad Pitt photographed until you see yeah. Brad Pitt photographed. You know, it is he as much as Angelina Jolie knows how to do this. And it's it was like very intentional. I believe it was at a concert. Like, yeah. come on, you know, with, with uncontroversial celebrities, Randy Gerber yeah. and Cindy Crawford, who are yeah. like, Friends of so many people in Hollywood. It's sort of like putting on like a a Kevlar vest when you're going outside. It's disappointing. The other thing that I would point out is that he does have a movie coming out in December Mm -hmm. that he's going to have to do some press for, the Damien Chazelle movie, Babylon, which is apparently 12 hours long. No, it's actually three. It's actually over three hours long. What? I don't know, Juliet. It's, I haven't seen it yet. To quote my, my longtime boss, Damien Chazelle. Are we sure he's good? <laughs> I like his movies, but three hours is too long for this. Anyway, so Brad Pitt is going to have to be out there. So, I, you know, I think I assume he's contractually obligated to promote a certain, you know, do a number, certain number of promotional appearances. So this might be the route that they've decided to try to distract people, which doesn't really make it any better. I'm just kind of pointing that out that I guess like this is his this is the the plan that they've put together. This is a wild cast, Amanda. I was not aware of this movie, but I just need to read off some Why names. Why you read it? Yeah. Brad Pitt, Margot mm-hmm. Robbie, mm-hmm. Gene Smart, Olivia Wilde, Max Minghella, Eric Roberts, Toby Maguire, Lucas Haas, that's half of the Pussy Posse, Spike Jones, Flea, Jeff Garland, Chloe Fineman, the impersonator. I mean, this is <laughs> wild. Chloe Fineman, the impersonator. She, I mean, would you, if I just said Chloe Fineman to you, would you know who that is? Yes, I think so. But only because sometimes you're, I consume pop culture for a living. Yeah. <laughs> I believe like one of the major stars of this movie is an actor named Diego Calva, but they're obviously, you know, promoting. I didn't no, include him because he's less famous right now. Right. They're promoting all of the, the 
brand names. Again, I haven't seen it. It's three hours long. I don't know what to tell you. It looks like uh, just based on, on the promotional materials, it looks like a musical. Is it a musical? I think it's about it's about old Hollywood. And oh, specifically from when the silent era of films turned into the era of sound in movies. I see. Huh. And okay. also apparently drugs. I don't know. Great. We'll find out. Well, we all love Gene Smart, so at least that's good. <laughs> also, Martha Stewart has been like revealed that she had like a crush on Brad, on Brad Pitt, which I just feel like there's a, a whole a lot of stories right now about older women and and like older celebrity women talking about like the first time they encountered Brad Pitt and like having a crush on him. I believe that Gina Davis just gave a similar interview where she was talking about all the people that that auditioned for the Brad Pitt role. And there's just been a lot of like young Brad Pitt. He was so cute lately, which also feels like a concerted campaign of some kind, though, like a much harder one to execute. Yeah. I thought you were going to say it feels like there's been a lot of just Martha Stewart content for absolutely no reason. Like, it's is she running out of money? What's going on? You think that about literally everyone. Well, at some point, <laughs> I do. It's like, it would make more sense to me if someone was like, yes, well, Martha had to pay all of her insider trading fees. And, you know, like the the fake pumpkin market has like really declined. But she had like a huge yard sale. She's endorsing everything under the Like, what's going on? Did she not like plan for her like last years? A top 2022 regret is not going to the yard sale. I mean, I, I asked you to go. I you know. You were on that coast. I sent you the information. I know. I really fucked up. I'm so sorry. It's okay. One more note on related to Babylon in that we just mentioned Toby Maguire and Lucas Haas, who, att- I don't know about Lucas Haas, I assume, along with Toby Maguire, confirmed, attended Leonardo DiCaprio's phone-free 48th birthday party at like a rented home in Beverly Hills. I don't know that I want to go to a party where I'm not allowed to bring my phone. I just want to throw that out there. And this was one of those parties where you had to like put your phone away so that no pictures leaked or whatever. I understand it's Leonardo DiCaprio, but here's the thing. Leonardo DiCaprio, perhaps just trust your friends and don't invite people who you think will not respect your rules. I like it. I think, I mean, I don't know what you do at a party in those awkward in-between moments if you don't have your phone now. But you have to go to the bathroom the a million times. I otherwise. know, but is it, isn't that the point <laughs> that you like interact with people? I guess. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be at a party with this list of people, including Toby Maguire, Bradley Cooper, Kate Hudson, Rami Malek, Ashton Kutcher, Mick Jagger, Jamie Foxx, LeBron James, Adrian Brody, Casey Affleck, Stella Maxwell, Nikki Hilton, Rebel Wilson, Ramona Arguma, Evan Ross, Summer Rae, and Rich Paul. Gotta say... Rebel Wilson getting the invite is probably my biggest shock of this story. I'm happy for her. I'm going to say that I know a lot of those people have children, young children. So Mm -hmm. what happens in case of emergency? How is someone getting in contact with you? That is my number one phone question. Yeah, I think it's really a valid question. Okay, thank you. That said, sounds like a fun time. I mean, also, I think his parents attended. I just one thing I really like about Leo is how much he loves his parents. It's very sweet. It's the sweetest data point I have about him. Yeah. Happy birthday, Leo. Happy birthday, Leo. All right. Last topic of the day. Let's talk about books. Some holiday reading, what we're currently reading. Amanda, what are you currently reading? So I'm finally reading the new Kate Atkinson novel, Shrines of Gaiety. Well, Kate Atkinson is probably my favorite living novelist. So it's good. It's good. Because Hilary Mantel died or she just thought would have been anyway. Yeah, we talk about that. What? I mean... Truly, what a loss! Truly, in the in the sense of 
you know, it's it's a tragedy when anyone dies, but feels feels it was sudden and premature. And she had a lot more to write. Exactly. She had a lot more to write. And I feel like, I, you know, you can really feel that like on the unwritten books. So Kate Atkinson, prolific author, writes, you know, kind of period novels and also mystery, not mystery, detective novels as well. She has the Jackson Brody series. And I'm halfway through because I have to be honest, I'm not as fast a reader as I used to be. I fall asleep a lot sooner. It's one of my... um biggest complaints about 2022. So I'm only halfway through, but it seems like this is sort of merging the two. And I think this is like, no. a, a like a, a, a crime, a sort of a mystery detective novel set in the U in London in the 1920s, like in the midst of the roaring twenties, bright young things. So I like, I really like it. I think just in terms of her like economy of writing uh, and just specificity. She's incredible and just immediately immersive. Um, I don't know how it's going to turn out, so I'll report back, but I'm pro Kate Atkinson. I've got one more to recommend that I recently finished. Okay. So this is slightly different. It's a memoir and it's written by a friend of mine um, named Washu. He's a staff writer at The New Yorker and it is about his 20s and about a tragedy that happened in his 20s and friendship and trying to figure out who you are and memory. And it's really beautiful. And I it's again, it's called Stay True. I really recommend it. I was very moved by it. And kind of like one of the the, the whole thing is moving, but just like a really breathtaking end of a book, which I it's always so hard to end yeah. any book, whether it's nonfiction or fiction. And just it like almost reminded me of Hamnet in terms of that. Mm. Just like everything just comes together and the emotions. I thought it was like very beautiful. So I'm biased on that one again a little bit, but it's I, I really recommend it. All right. Great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'm reading Free Food for Millionaires by Min Jin Lee. Her first novel came out in 2007. I believe you read it this year as well. I did. I'm halfway through. I'm absolutely loving it. Like, I understand. I mean, you know, Pachinko is like her opus, but this yes. is really good and very, very entertaining, moves really quickly, really prescient. Just also like it's set in the 90s, which is like the exact. My mom was asking me if it's a historical novel because I was telling her I was reading it and she knows about Pachinko. And I was like, no, but like it's set in the 90s, which at this point is 30 years ago and kind of is like, it's like a period piece almost. I don't even know what you call like a recent history like that, but, and you know, it came out in 2007. So it wasn't as long ago when she published, when it was published, but still it's like, it's just really great. And so much of it still really rings true. And I can't remember if I came up with this myself or if I'm stealing this from one of the blurbs on the book, but it definitely has like a vanity fair, the William Thackeray aspect yeah. to it of like young woman, finding her way in a city defined by haves and haves nots and social status. And it's also, you know, similar to Pachinko, a large portion of this, which is not present in Vanity Fair is about being an immigrant and being a first generation in New York. And it's just like really good. And it's also it's like a fun read and a fast read and while also being like really substantive and provocative in a good way. So I, I like really love it. I'm like, is Minjin Lee one of my favorite novelists? She might be. 
she might be one of mine as well. Her project of sort of updating the 19th century novel for current or, you know, more like recent time periods yeah. for us and also for, you know, different characters and the Im- immigrants story, as you mentioned, is a is a constant between those two or, you know, just like non white 20 year old women running around yeah. London is basically basically what we mean or New York by updating yeah. the, the novel. But yeah, I thought it was fantastic as well. There's something classical about it while, you know, just like, again, bring back the novel, preserve the novel. I love the novel as a form, Same. but still like updated and modern, but not too modern because I personally, I'm not ready to read about the pandemic in my fiction. Oh yeah. I think like, I feel like 25 years ago is a great time to, is like a great time period to capture with your novel. Yeah. Also, you know, just thinking about this, I feel like for me, the like a great companion to Minjin Lee is also Zadie Smith and her novels, like her, like her more recent ones, like NW, I really love and swing, swing, dance, swing, ta- swing, dance, swing time, swing time. Those are also both sort of like sweeping London novels. And in yes. the same way, Minjin Lee, like free food for millionaires is like a sweeping New York novel. And sort of like, I really love these Victorian style, modern novels, that like capture the pulse of a city and different like subcultures. And it's so, like so well done. Totally. And and speaking of like updating the 19th century or as Forster 20th century, whatever. 20th, you know yeah. what I'm talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great call. I should reread NW. NW is really good. I think it's probably her best novel. It's real. I really liked it. Underrated. I should. Yeah. I need to find it in our like stack of boxes of books and then I'll reread it. Great. Or, you know, get it from your library via the Libby app. That's true. I got to get back on the Libby app. The Libby app is fantastic. Oh, my goodness. I know. You know how excited I am about it. it. I know. You love it. Get your get a library card, people. And, you know, maybe you'll find some other books. I also like the Libby app. Sometimes suggest things for you, things that are popular. Why not? So also a great resource for audiobooks, which I tend to do more for nonfiction than fiction. Same. But just really, really amazing. Completely agree. On that note, we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrate. If not, I hope you have a slower week. And thank you, Devin Ronaldo, for producing this episode. And we'll be back next Monday with our gift guide. Can't wait. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.